Welcome to Laughter for All. It's the podcast with comedian Nazareth. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Laughter for All podcast. I am comedian Nazareth, and uh, this is the Laughter for All podcast where we normally bring comedians and uh, we want you to laugh and want to encourage you, want to entertain you. But since the pandemic started, we've been focusing on ways we can help you. So we, st- we brought some physicians, we brought some attorneys, we brought some people who can tell you how to do trust. We ha- we brought some, uh, you know, Brad Dacus from the, uh, you know, Pacific Justice Institute. We brought a, a director and a producer to talk about, you know, how to do Zoom and virtual. We're trying to help you here, but this is, this is going to be my most serious serious episode and we're going to talk about sex trafficking so if you have any children just for it this is not the normal fun entertaining funny naz and tim hawkins or uh, comedy it is actually uh going to be serious and there will be talking about not necessarily there's no language or stuff but not you know the subject matter will be really more, not for the kids so if you have kids right now just put them out for adoption or something or just do something with them but uh so we're going to be talking about sex trafficking and nobody better than my friend debbie debbie marches and let me introduce her officially debbie uh she had she started rebirth homes and the vision started in 2008 when uh, she heard the staggering statistic that 27 27 million people are enslaved around the world that's back in 2008 after years of prayer debbie was moved to action in 2012, God gave her the vision to find homes that have been abandoned, rebuild them, and use them for lives to be redeemed. Rebirth Home started in 2013 as an organization that is focused on providing homes to victims of human trafficking. Rebirth Home not only provides homes for human trafficking victims, but also a holistic healing approach that focuses on spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental healing. The program is 24 months and is based on the premise that Christ is the source of redemption and through him we can be healed. Amen. Debbie is a CEO um, uh, and the founder of Rebirth Homes. She has a master's degree in business administration from University of Redland. She developed a vision to remodel after she heard again, like we said, she continually works on both engage others in the mission of rebirth homes and spread awareness of the issue of human trafficking in her community. Outside of rebirth home, Debbie enjoys hiking, prayer, walking, going to the beach and having fun with her family. So Debbie, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, Nazareth. It's great to be here and always a joy to see you and connect. Oh, same here. And you know, I the first question are you are you a southern california are you from california originally i am i'm one of the native californians born and raised born and, raised. and why <laughs> why did you pick this why why did you pick uh, sex trafficking you didn't pick like uh you know life abortion you didn't pick homelessness why sex trafficking well it started with prayer as you mentioned in my introduction In 2008, I heard about 27 million people being trafficked. And at the time I was shocked and really had no idea that that was happening. And my very first response was, let's go fix it. And really God stopped me in my tracks and called me into a time of prayer. And so I thought my role with human trafficking would always be praying for those who are trafficked and praying for those who are fighting trafficking. Um, But God clearly had other plans. And in 2012, when he gave the vision to open homes, um, I kept thinking it was kind of like a funny idea and kept thinking, oh, no, no, that was just a strange idea. So I tried walking away from it a few times and God's plan was not that. So um, really, it was just God working within me and stirring up my heart for those who are being trafficked. And since 2008, the number has grown to over 40 million people. 
So it's growing by about a million people a year. And it is now surpassing drug trafficking and arms trafficking because people can be sold over and over again. And the more that I do this, the more um, women I work with, the more people I work with in this um, arena of trafficking, the more fired up and passionate I am about ending trafficking. Now, who was the first person you, who was the first person you shared this with when you when God gave you the vision? Who were you? Did you go to your husband? Did you go to your pastor? What, who, who did you share it with first? That's a good question. Um, my husband. And because I have a lot of ideas, he just kind of said, oh, okay. We were walking around a community center. We saw these boarded up homes. And I said, you know, it'd be really great to get a home and use it for some type of healing. And he was like, okay, yeah, another good idea. And so <laughs> he literally just thought it was another one of these ideas um, that I had, but it was clearly a God idea, not a Debbie idea. Now, what is the difference between human trafficking and sex trafficking? How, what is the difference between them? Yeah, that's a really good question. So human trafficking is kind of the umbrella for all trafficking. So within human trafficking, sex trafficking is one part of um, all trafficking. So we have sex trafficking, labor trafficking, and organ trafficking, as well as child marriage. So those all fall under the umbrella of human trafficking. What is organ trafficking? Um, like our body parts, organs. <laughs> oh, really? They, oh, they, 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 they can... yeah. Oh, so that's an, yeah, that's a whole industry. Well, I hate to use the word industry, but it is definitely a part of trafficking. I see. And now, uh, what do you call it? So, uh, your, your focus at Rebirth Home is that for women with sex trafficking or human trafficking or any or is it specific we focus primarily on sex trafficking and we do help um, people who have been labor trafficked as well so those are our two primary areas of focus i see and uh, what do you call so you you started the home the first home and then how did you approach where did you go to find these people who want to come out of that sex trafficking? Well, when we started talking about the vision for Rebirth Homes back in early in 2014 is when we started talking about human trafficking in our community. And as we started talking about it more and more over time, people heard about us through word of mouth and um, whenever a situation would arise that involved trafficking, people would start calling us. So now, all these years later, we partner with organizations. And um, for example, Rebirth Homes is part of what's called RCAT, which is the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. So we get mm -hmm. referrals through law enforcement, through other shelters, um, through Riverside County, sometimes through um, the district attorney. Um, we do get out-of-state referrals as well. So we are providing help to women 18 and up who have been trafficked, but they could be from anywhere in the U.S. because the resources um, are very limited specifically for human trafficking mm -hmm. and um, the demand for services far greater than the resources available. So we do get, we're getting a lot more referrals. What's the youngest? 18 is the youngest person you can accept, right? In our homes, yes. Um, we do help, we do help under 18. Mostly it's family members that call. And if they're trying to figure out what to do, we'll help them navigate that as well. 
So how can how can a young lady become trafficked? I mean, just uh, from your experience and your you know testimonies from the girls that you serve. Well, um, I think most people honestly think it happens like the movie Taken, um, mm. which sometimes there are jokes about that um, because it, that is very few and far between where there's actually kidnapping <laughs> happening. Um, in most cases, it's the a girl or a boy is trafficked by a family member or someone very close to them. Over 90% of the people that we work with or have worked with, um, they were trafficked by someone they trusted 100%. So the way it works is there are people focused on finding um, victims and their whole purpose is to recruit into human trafficking. And the way that they do that is by building relationships and building trust. And if you see pictures of traffickers, sometimes you'll see these pictures and you think, oh yeah, I could see that person being a trafficker. But most traffickers look like young kids. And that's part of the difficulty with human trafficking, and it's even more difficult because family members, um, sometimes parents, cousins, uh, you know, uncle, aunt, will be the person who is starting the trafficking. Wow, so you gotta be careful some of the relatives. I mean, is it normally, is it normally like uh, people from lower income, middle class, upper, I mean, how, how, what's, who's most likely to fall into that with the relatives thing? Um, it could be anyone, honestly. We've worked with, you know, women 18 and up, but they come from, we've seen, you know, Christian families. It like, it doesn't really, uh, human trafficking doesn't discriminate. So anyone that, is potentially a victim. The traffickers are smart. I mean, they they come in, it could be like this good looking young kid, you know, maybe he's 15, 16, 17, whatever age. Mm -hmm. He's really cute, looks good. And he starts a relationship with the girl. She thinks he's the, the greatest guy ever. And um, they start dating and then it turns into exploitation and trafficking but is he working for someone else that's older that's using him oh so they they use usually. him as bait usually yeah. Uh, yeah so it's not like is it more like a mafia thing kind of like there's uh, hierarchies and they they it's all controlled mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way good uh example of how it works you know, we, I mean, I'm a father, I have two daughters, and you, you watch sometimes, I don't know how true it is, like, hey, there's guys in a dark car in the parking lot of Target at 11 at night or at Walmart, and they're waiting for girls to come out so they can take them and use them for sex trafficking. And this was all over the internet. Is there truth to that? Or I know- There can be, yeah, I mean, for example, my um, daughter went to the park last week to just, she likes to play basketball. So she pulled in and she's like, you know, I saw this white van parked there. And then I was like, you know, just listening to her and she said, yeah. And then all of a sudden another white van pulled up next to it. And then one of the guys got out and walked over and was kind of like watching her and she knew enough. She was like, I got to get out of here. So she left. Um, if if there are enough uh, um, of them, like let's say there are five or six in a vehicle or in a, a van, especially, um, and I'm talking about the white vans without the windows. Um, uh -huh. It can happen like that, but like I said, it it doesn't happen. Maybe less than five percent is the number that I've been told. Mm. 
So what do you tell a mom who has a like a 15 year old? How can she train her or how can she educate her on not even getting trafficked? Yeah, with with moms and dads, the key really is relationship and having open and honest conversations. Um, with my daughters, I've brought them to our events in the past so they could hear stories about the reality of human trafficking. Um, it's one of those topics that's really kind of hard to talk to your kids about, but at the same time, it's so important because it can happen to anyone. So um, it's really important to have that open communication and love your kids no matter what, and explain to them that this is the reality of human trafficking. So all of us on this new, it could be a girl or a boy shows up at school and they're making promises to you. They're telling you, hey, you want to make some money? You know, I can get you money so you could go buy these designer clothes, designer handbags. Um, and to teach our kids, like, hey, if somebody's coming and promising you things like that, it's probably too good to be true. And honestly, it's, it's hard because as parents, sometimes our kids are like, I'm not listening to mom and dad. But we just want to create that safe place and tell them like, hey, no matter what, I love you. Here's what the reality is. And even if you make a decision, um, I'm gonna, we're going to be here for you through every decision you make. And we're going to love you no matter what. So to me, the, the key, point, key things are be aware um, of the um, social media as well. What, is, what are your kids doing online? So that's happening quite a bit, which on our social media place that, um, sites, we're sharing about what's happening with cases of kids being exploited through social media. So there's one that one part and then having that open communication and expressing that you will love them through every decision and then explaining what human trafficking is and how easily it can happen to anyone. You know, it's funny because you hear stories of like, especially in college, just, you know, this girl meets a, you know, a friend that her, this friend, she drives the same age as her, drives a Mercedes. She's like, oh, come join me. I, I'll pay for this class. We can go to this class. I mean, not class, like a, a dance class or something else together and we can have fun and yeah, and we'll, you know, come meet my friends and and you wonder, like, how does this person have that much money? You know, they're driving mm -hmm. without, you know, oh, my parents have money. But, you know, you can tell there's something. So always, yeah, be careful, moms, if of some of the friends. Now, because you think it's an older person. It's kind of like you were saying. It's someone their age, 15, 16, 17, trying to lure them in. Now, what is the wor worst case you've heard? Worst case or you, you've experienced of a young lady or someone coming to you? from human trafficking, and we'll walk it through the process that Rebirth Homes does. Okay. Um, it's hard to say what was the worst case. Um, they're all pretty hard. I mean, every case that we hear, we just have to realize that other humans did this to a person, which it's pretty horrific. Um, We've heard, or some of the women we've worked with were exploited as young as, like when they were babies. Uh -huh. um, they're definitely in that very under, you know, age five to 11. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think about it, they're, the exploitation is happening in the formative years of their life. And by someone that's either a family member or close to the family. So, and this is happening in the US, I have to mention, because we can go online and we see stories of 
you know, other countries where there is this generational trafficking happening where kids are groomed and raised for the purpose of being sold into trafficking. Mm. Um, But we have that here as well. It's just better hidden. And so, I mean, the stories are, I, I don't have one in particular, just because every story that I hear, I'm like, how is this possible that other humans can do this? And it starts at such a young age. Um, the stat out there is that <clears throat> 80% of people are first trafficked between the ages of 12 to 14. Um, I think the number is actually probably lower based off of um, what we're seeing. And I think over time we'll have better information, but um, at the end of the day, it's happening at very young ages um, and it's very traumatic and very complicated. So let's say this young girl, you know, she was trafficked. She probably, you know, maybe we'll use the old terms of a prostitution and a pimp that will attack her, beat her up if, if she, you know, if, you know, uh, if she leaves, then she escapes and she comes to your home. And I know what the first thing you guys do, you do trauma and, and informed individual counseling. And then you do therapy and uh, what, what do you do with that person? Let's say a woman runs to you and say, help me. I want to, you know, I'm being, you know, I'm being my pimp, my something, my human trafficker. What do, what do you guys do? What is the first thing you do? Yeah. So when the women come into our home, which we now have two homes in Riverside County. Yay. Yes, um, um, uh, that's great. And we need the, uh, people, if you have a house that you are, oh, it's a, my investment house. Oh, the market, you know what? And you're getting like, you know, you don't need the money, the extra, you can donate it to Rebirth Home. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. We'll talk about this later, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. So think about living out on the streets or think about, Um, being moved from city to city and not knowing where you are every day, you're waking up in a new place. Um, Drugs can be used and in a lot of cases are used. So you're not fully comprehending what's happening to you. Um, Food is withheld as a form of manipulation. And if a woman um, does not meet our quota. And this really goes for anyone being trafficked. If they do not meet their nightly quota, they will be um, physically beaten and food may or may not be withheld. So literally it's this trying to survive and not being able to trust anyone and living with abuse and rape over and over again, every single day, that's their life. So coming into rebirth homes, um, the first thing is that they have their own space. So they have their own bed. Um, we, some of them come in without clothing. Um, like this sounds kind of silly in some ways, but Um, things like underwear are withheld. So when they come to us, most of them are like, I haven't had underwear. I don't have them. You know, the only reason I would get them is because if the trafficker wants to get them to me. Um, And it's for the purpose of making him more money. Um, So coming in there, this is their first opportunity to be able to breathe and have food have food in abundance um, and to be able to sleep, to have clothing. We take them shopping for things like underwear, um, to get medical care. In most cases, most of the people we're working with haven't had medical or dental care in years. 
And if it was, it was just like an emergency, like, hey, I have to go to the doctor because, you know, this, I need stitches or I need, you know, emergency care, but it's quickly an in and an out. So generally speaking, when they're coming in, especially we've had women come right from jail, we've had women come right from the streets, um, they are in medical crisis, um, in some cases, dental crisis, psychiatric crisis. Um, so what we're doing in that first 30 days is building that safety and stability and trying to get them stabilized with the medical, dental, um, counseling, all of those components that are so critical for them to be able to heal. Because honestly, if you are in physical crisis, like you're having medical crisis or even a dental crisis, like, I don't know, I've had those situations and you can't concentrate, you have a toothache, you're like, so um, we immediately get them in for medical care, we get them in for psychiatric care. um, And assure them that, hey, you're in a safe place. You can sleep tonight. You don't have to worry. Um, so that's kind of the transition. That first 30 days, it tends to be pretty pretty tough. Um, some of them also are detoxing. So they're coming mm-hmm. in and um, they may have been, they may have taken drugs, you know, a couple days before. We've even had them the day before. <laughs> maybe the day of, um, so they're kind of detoxing when they come in. And then after they get usually about at the 30 to 45 day mark, we are providing counseling and group therapy all this time, but we also are attending to those critical areas. And then we, once they get to about that 45 day period, they start to really you can see the difference because they start feeling safe. They're like, okay, yeah, actually, I think I am okay. And then the process starts where they start to dream a little bit and start to think about, hey, I have some goals. I actually wanna go to school. I want to work. Hmm. So by about three months in, at that point, they really, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's this radical transformation that takes place because we see somebody coming in who really hasn't had a voice, who has some of, I mean, one of them that came in, she was like, I don't talk to people and she wouldn't say anything. And when she left Rebirth Homes, she was like talking nonstop. <laughs> So, but that's the radical transformation we get to see is going from not having a voice, being in complete crisis to dreaming and thinking about the future and actually being able to achieve their goals for their lives. And uh, what do you call it? What's what's the rate of people not even lasting the 45 days? Does some of them go back? They go, you know what? Uh, I want to go back and do drugs or, hey, this is, you know, what's the rate of them sticking? Um, Our retention rate past that 45 days is around 90%. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's awesome. And then you guys have like a queen's therapy where you have horses and they can get to, do you have a stable behind the house or what? (laughs) That's one of the requests. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) <laughs> we do have a big property. It's 1.3 acres. Um, and there have been requests for horses, but um, I figured we first have to focus on the humans. Um, but one of the ladies early on, like right after we had opened, she said, can we get a horse? We really want one back there. And so they were talking about, well, you know, horses, poop right so somebody's got to clean it up so they said who's going to do that and my one one of the ladies said well kevin my husband can be responsible for that so he got elected (laughs) to do that (laughs) i was like i don't think we're going to be doing that (laughs) 
but your neighbors too you have to be aware <laughs> but li- guys if you're listening and you have horses or access to horses and you want to donate a horse would you take it would you take it at this point i don't know just call you can reach out we'll talk about it <laughs> okay all right and also you guys uh you teach him how to do i have a friend um you know she's from our church in crossroads and she decided to go to thailand to pataya which is the mm. the hub or the capital of sex trafficking and she's a hair stylist so she started a salon there and she trains the girls to get them out of sex trafficking by training them giving them a skill now you guys do that do you do you do skill training or you teach them how to get a job and that yeah we do and we have um really incredible partners um and we always are looking for more partners um and equine therapy is through a partnership as well um so we get to go visit the horses and then come back um no cleanup. no cleanup um but yeah so we we sit down w- with each woman and she comes up with her goals so if somebody wanted to cut hair for example we would work with them on getting or her getting her into like a cosmetology school so whatever their goals are that's what we're going to try to help them achieve and we provide life skill training so a big part of trauma the trauma is understanding that all of us who have gone through trauma have triggers and if we don't know what those are um and we don't have coping mechanisms we it can cause angry outbursts right so like ptsd all of a sudden something hits someone and they're like you know at a yeah. 10 so our part of our training is identifying um triggers learning coping skills learning how to deescalate um and then working through the trauma associated with um whatever that trigger is and that's where our counseling comes in so we partner with the grove counseling center mm-hmm. and they're very gracious and provide um professional licensed counselors who are christian counselors and the counselors will work one on one with each lady to help her work through all the different parts of her trauma. So the life skills are pretty extensive. Um we're doing things like budgeting, how mm-hmm. to you know, if you make money, like how do you save? How do you what does it look like to manage money in a way that ultimately you become independent and can manage your money well and thrive outside of rebirth homes. Now how many girls do you have in each house? So our one home is up to 6 and one is up to 8 so we could have up to 14. Um we haven't gone up to capacity yet because we have to look at dynamics in the home and we've focused on quality of care versus quantity. um and so we are going to continue to operate that way there may be a time when it works to have both houses full but we don't want to compromise anyone's healing to have someone else come in do they have fights mm-hmm. you know you get yeah they get what do you do, do you don't you know do you have are you there every single day are you do you are you get a call like at midnight there's two girls fighting you have to go what what is it like for you to run these things <laughs> yeah so well my husband helps as well but we are on call 24/7 365 mm. um so there are times when we do get those calls like last night we got a call so we went over there it was around like 7:30 at night um and it uh, um there was one time this was 
years ago when we went over there and I had to sleep on the couch <laughs> because I was like, somebody's going to get hurt tonight. So mm. I'm going to be sleeping out here and ready just in case. Um, but again, the conflict comes from it's survival, right? So you're on the streets, you're trying to survive, you're in a trafficking ring, you're trying to survive and, you know, stuff happens. And so sometimes there's conflict. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Uh, speaking of your husband, I want to switch and come back. I'm ADD, but uh, okay, your Thanks. husband's from India originally, right? Yeah, he was born and raised in the Middle East in Qatar, but in he, Qatar. Oh. yeah, so he originally, um, his family is from India. So, oh, okay. So he speaks Arabic kind of. He does a little bit. He speaks like five languages. Wow. And how did you guys meet? Through a mutual friend. <laughs> <laughs> It was like 20 What year are we in right now? So 26 years ago. And how many, you have two daughters? We have two daughters, yeah. And are they, have, have your husband got to a point where he said, you know what, I'm just tired of this, or has he not? Is he on the same wavelength as you are with the whole ministry? Yeah, initially we were, I knew it was God's calling and he, he will describe it as, He came in kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> we had a pretty comfortable life. And um, so it was a pretty radical change for us as a family. We kind of had to give up all of our comfort to just do this. But he's 100% in. He goes over there. Um, he's kind of, we're kind of like the parent parental figures, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, But he's really great. He does anything. He's like, okay, there's all the weeds that need to be pulled because we just had a bunch of rain. So he gets out there, pulls weeds. If it's conflict, he'll help with that. If he needs to, he, it doesn't matter. He'll do anything. He's amazing. Now, uh, what do you call it? As far as, uh, you know, I just want to go back into some numbers here because the average victim of human trafficking is raped 6,000 times. The life expectancy for a sex trafficking victim is seven years. That's coming from intofreedom.org. Also, it says that Houston is the number one city in human trafficking, but California as a state has the highest human trafficking rates in the U.S. with 1,507 cases reported in 2019. And, you know, you hear stories of truck stops in Southern California where there's a lot of these young girls are, are doing the work. Now, they come out, let's say they come to your house. Have you ever had any danger where their pimps or their, you know, their, their gangs coming after them into the house or no? No, by the grace of God, um, we keep our location confidential and yes. we ask all of them to sign like an agreement basically that they will not disclose where we are. Um, honestly, I think what we've seen over time is that they feel really comfortable and feel safe and feel loved. And so Some of them that have left have said, hey, you know what, I want to come back. And um, I don't think that they will jeopardize what is their safe place and what is their the safe place for others. So at least not yet. I'm super thankful. Um, we do have security measures in place, I should add, but our number one security is keeping it confidential. Is there a success story, one story, someone that came in traffic and now they're thriving? Yeah, I mean, with there, there are a few of those. Um, and one of them is very vocal. So her video is actually on our website. Her name is Cedar. If you came to our fall event last year, she sang. Um, but she's, she's really amazing. She came... Um, to us and was with us a year and she graduated from rebirth homes as well as from her court obligations um, on the same day 
and she's doing so great. We started a social enterprise to provide employment for the women that are in our program. And if you look on our website in our freedom store, she's hand painted these rocks. And so we're able to, she's not living with us. She's moved out of the area. She's in a really safe place. Um, she's still on the journey of healing. I believe it's a lifelong journey, but um, she's doing really great. And you can see, she shares some of her story in the video, as well as you can see some of the products she's made, but she's another one where she came in and um, she, I went to, I met her for the first time in jail and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. And literally just seeing God transform her life and transform her into who she was truly created to be um, is really amazing. Now, uh, do you, how can someone like a normal person like us not, uh, not involved with that, how can we spot at someone, a, a lady being trafficked and, you know, not standing on the street or something where you go, wait, this person's getting trafficked, they need help. How can you spot them? Just from your experience with all these girls that you have. Um, yeah, it's a little difficult because it's pretty well hidden for the most part. In certain areas, there are areas called the track. Um, for example, Corona, there are areas um, in Corona that there's a track, Riverside, there's a track. Um, but trying to get out there at the right time to see someone is half of the battle. The second part is that usually they're being watched. Um, so the way that you can identify things, like if you're a teacher, for example, if you see mm -hmm. one of your students show up to class and maybe the student is now wearing different clothing, starting to dress a little more pro provocatively, has their nails done, hair done, like all of a sudden you start seeing changes and then you see this child start to um, maybe move into isolation. Those are signs that she could be trafficked. It may not mm. be, but those are signs. Um, if you if you see something going on in a home, because trafficking is happening in homes, so the way that works is um, the victims are moved from home to home. And I use the term victim for somebody who is being victimized um, and survivors for the ones that are out of trafficking. Um, but they get moved from city to city. And so it's in this house one night, this house another night. So if you see things happening at night, and maybe there's like, you know, most purchasers are men. So all of a sudden you start to see like men showing up at this home um, and stuff happening at night. Could be a trafficking. Um, there was a case just, um, I think it was, I, well, I don't remember the state, but there have been several cases recently where uh, they're finding kids that are, one of them had like 38 kids living in a home. And so the way they, that law enforcement found them was they did, they followed the ads online. And through those online ads and the purchasers also called Johns showed up to try to purchase one of them. So all of this type of activity is what to what we want to look for. Um, it is not safe if you see someone um, out on the streets. I would say report it to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, mm. um, which you can go online and get that number. Um, it's eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. But I would say report it. If you really think, okay, yeah, this is trafficking, I'm going to report it. Um, one other thing to be on the lookout for are those ads that you sometimes see on like telephone poles. 
where they have the mm -hmm. little numbers and they say, oh, looking for models, looking for um, teenage actors or actresses. And uh, so those are entryways as well. Anytime I see those, I rip them down. So that's very good. I never knew that. That's very important. Let's see the again. So if I'm walking, let's say I'm I'm walking on the street, I see a sign next to on the stop sign. There's this piece of paper that says, oh, "You want to be an actor, or we're looking for young actors and actresses." This is kind of a sign that these are the way they attract these uh, young mm -hmm. people to you yeah. know, recruit them. Wow. Yeah, probably something. It's probably not real. Wow. Let me ask you this. You get the vision from God, and I can relate to some of what I'm going to ask you. Uh, you get this vision from God. You get excited. You start serving people. You start sharing Jesus with them, and you're seeing the progress, and then you go, we need money. So now you turn, you turn from this uh, minister of what God called you for to becoming a business, learning how to raise the funds, how to run the nonprofit, you become an attorney, you become the, <laughs> the, a budget, you know, an accountant. How do you handle that? And what part do you love? And what part do you hate about it? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I love sharing the vision. And I love the life change, the transformation. I love that I get to be a part of what God is doing. Sometimes I'm just blown away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he just did that. Like, it's he does stuff I could never do. So all of that every day just keeps me going. I'm like, wow, we serve a really big God. Um, do I like doing the reporting and all of the other stuff? Eh. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny given my background, but I think when God gave the vision, he was like, you're going to be the person carrying the vision and you need to give up all this other operational type stuff. Um, so, yeah, and I love connecting with people. I love, you know, being able to connect with you, being able to connect with others in the community is pretty amazing. But but what about the, the money asking, which is every executive director? I have two ministries and you have to ask. And sometimes you either hate yourself or you get mad at people. How don't you care? Why don't you care? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like just $5 a month. It makes a huge <laughs> difference. Um, yeah, I, you know, God keeps working on my heart in that area. At first I was like, okay, you know, we've got to raise money to open at least one home. And then his vision was to open a network of homes. And his big vision is to redeem a million people. So I'm like, how are we going to do this if we don't have money? Um, and, you know, just like running our own homes, it costs money. You have bills, you have to pay your mortgage, you have to pay your utilities, you have to pay all the food. Um, so, yeah, I'm still growing. I feel like it's just, you know, share the vision and make the ask. And whoever he brings will join in. Whoever is supposed to be on the journey will join in. We do uh, focus. We are going after grants. We're asking people, individual donors, churches, um, corporate sponsors, pretty much anyone. And I feel better about it now. I'm like, we, this is God's thing. We have to get be out there and, you know, hitting the pavement, knocking on doors. Okay, here we go. But really, it's about life change. It's about providing that space for healing. It's about getting people out of human trafficking. So, um, but yeah, it's been how, how much does it cost for one lady to come and join the program and spend the two years in your home? How much would that cost? Yeah, so it's about twelve hundred per month per woman. So that's like fourteen thousand four hundred per year. Um, if you think about that from like think about even your you know, I think about somebody just starting out, 
and making minimum wage, that's the amount that the program costs is less than that. So to me, it's very, um, it's nothing, it costs them nothing. The women coming in, we want to always provide a free program. Right, right, right. So um, we do look for people to sponsor women in the program. And what about people who like, okay, what other ways people can help other than financial? How can they help you? Yeah, we always ask for either prayer, committing to pray for us, volunteer, and then giving financially. And sometimes people will, like right now with all of the Zoom calls, we have people signing up to host a Zoom education session. Mm. So doing something like that is making a difference. Um, we've had people decide to do supply drives. So we have a house full of women. We need things like toilet paper and feminine products. So they decide to do a supply drive and then bring those items to us. Wow. And of course, you know, they're the young ladies and they need, you know, I have two daughters. They need makeup. They need stuff. They need yeah. extra. And, you know, you got to take care of, you know, you got to take. So uh, you, you on your website, which is rebirthhomes.org, is it? It's rebirthhomes.com. Dot com. Re rebirthhomes.com. People can buy some like candles and stuff like that. I saw something mm -hmm. about Tell us about that. How can they help financially that way? Yeah, so we employ the women in our program, which is something that um, makes us kind of unique in our area specifically. But the women are making items like candles. I mentioned earlier cedar making rocks. We have some other items on our website. So if you go on to rebirthhomes.com and click on our freedom store, just know that the women are being paid, so they are employed by Rebirth Homes and at the same time learning job skills, earning an income, and any purchases help provide for their employment as well as help support the ministry. Wow. What is your vision the next five years? What do you, what do you like to think? I know with the, the coronavirus and the pandemic, it's putting a hindrance a little bit on the, but it's the same time. You think because of the pandemic, the sex trafficking is less than normal or more? It's more oh. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So we, we weren't really sure how it was going to play out um, back in March, but what we've in working with other organizations who um, are seeing what's happening out on the tracks, it's increased. And if, if you think about the fact that most people are trafficked by a family member, mm -hmm. they're now stuck at home with the family member. Oh. So we know that in working, speaking with like our therapists, they're like the, the incidents of um, like abuse and the trauma is increasing because people are forced into their homes. So, um, but yeah, the, the vision is for to open homes in other areas. So we're looking at some other areas, including <clears throat> overseas. Oh. So my husband is from India. Um, and so we're looking at India as a potential site to open a home and um, some other states that do not currently have homes. We're looking at opening homes there as well as hopefully we would love to open a um, resource center in our community, which is Riverside County. And the resource center would be a place where people could come for help like in the moment and we could build relationship with them mm -hmm. and attached to that would be 
building out our social enterprise and eventually opening a coffee shop. So it's a big vision. I honestly hold loosely to dates because I haven't been right on any of them, but God knows <laughs> the best time. So um, it's his vision. He has to provide and we just walked in his timing. Uh, now, uh, as far as, uh, what do you call it? Uh, let's say someone listening to us right now in uh, Arizona and they said, hey, I have an extra home. I would like to use that home for for what you're doing. What does it take other than the home? What is it? Don't they need someone to manage it, run it? You need a, what do you call him? Like a, a, a mom or a dad, what do you call him? The house mom, parent that lives there or you... What, are, what, are, what does it take other than the house itself? Um, it takes community for sure. I know Rebirth Homes wouldn't, we would not be doing what we're doing if it was not for the community as a whole. Um, it, I, I can't even tell you how many people have given sacrificially of time, treasure, talent. Um, but yeah, you would, you need, community support. Um, you definitely need staff and volunteer staff are great. Um, but in most cases, most volunteers can only give like a couple hours, which is a good thing. But when you're running a home to provide high quality of care, you need somebody there consistently. And I'm speaking from experience because we went through that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, it's your two hour shift. The women were like, it feels like a revolving door. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think having the community support, ensuring that you have the financial support is critical. Having um, counseling support is critical. Um, I've been in ministry over my over half of my adult life, and this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but again, I'm so thankful for the opportunity. So you have to be ready to be on call 24-7, 365. So somebody has to do that. That's that's amazing. So guys, if you if you want to support uh, Rebirth Homes, just go to rebirthhomes.com. Be able to there's a donate button i'm as uh, i'm sure there is so you can give you can pray about sponsoring uh, a lady once uh, you know once 1200 a month for the year fourteen thousand something and that will change someone's life changing someone's life and you don't have to do it yourself you don't have to be there uh, rebirth home staff and uh, debbie they're taking care of all that the counseling all of that is involved and so really, I want to encourage you to support. This is a huge problem. This is not happening in Thailand. This is happening here in the U.S. And uh, if you're a parent and you have daughters, I mean, this kind of you can mothers can can feel I kind of, you know, know what what it feels like. I mean, without having going through it, they, you know what it feels like. So I pray that you're able to support. And, you know, if you want to. Uh, drop stuff at their location. Of course, it's going to be secretive. So you have to talk to Debbie uh, or Rebirth Homes and find out how you can drop some toilet paper, some other stuff that is much needed uh, for them. Debbie, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy with all these girls helping them. So thank you for taking the time to be on uh, our show. I appreciate your friendship. And hopefully whenever you need me, you know, I I'd love to serve. Thank you, Nazareth. It's a joy. I love seeing you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I know we're, we're, we're going to do thank some you. funny, funny shows, but thank you so much for your time. And people, if you're listening, you know, uh, I want to say if you want to continue, these are free podcasts, but if you want to support, uh, there's an app uh, or a, 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 a website called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And you can put Patreon.com under Comedian Nazareth and you can just become a partner to support this podcast. But 
regardless, we love to feature people that really you can support their ministries and doing great job like we did with Debbie and Rebirth Home. So thank you guys so much and God bless you. And thank you so much, Debbie. And if you are watching tonight, every night, weeknight at 8.30 p.m., we have the Live with Naz on Facebook Live. So join us and laugh with us where you become the comedian every weeknight at 8.30 p.m. Uh, on my personal page, Comedian Nazareth One on Facebook. God bless you and thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Bye. God bless. Bye.